Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the To Be Touched podcast. I'm your host, Bianca. This week, I'm joined by my friend and magnificent makeup artist, Eric Bosberg. We are discussing beauty, what led him to becoming a makeup artist, and just, you know, some of his thoughts and wishes for the beauty industry as of now in 2020 in ways it can change to be more inclusive and representative of the world that he finds so beautiful. So I hope you guys are ready to be touched. Hey, everybody, welcome to the third episode of the To Be Touched podcast. I'm really excited, as always, for you guys to join me in conversation with my wonderful guest. And this week, I have my makeup artist friend, Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? Hi, Miss Bianca. Doing well. (laughs) How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm super glad that you're here with me today. I'm really excited to dive into our conversation. But before, let the people know a little bit more about you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Um, My name, as you know, is Eric Bosberg. But I'm a makeup artist. I live in Jersey City right now. But I'm originally from this little town called Gonzales, Louisiana. Um, So born and raised there and then moved up to the New York area uh, about six years ago. Awesome. Awesome. And what brought you here? Oh, gosh. Uh, Really just the opportunity to expand Mm -hmm. my creativity and be with like-minded people. You know, I think that's really kind of what drove me here. And I visited New York whenever I was in uh, the beginning of my sophomore year of high school. And I was like, oh, wow, this is home. Like, this is the place I need to be. Yes, the land of amazing opportunities and mm-hmm. creativity. It's so big, but yet so small. It really uh, is. <laughs> so, okay. As a makeup artist, you have touched the faces of hundreds of people. Um, and for me, I have always been like a person that never really wore makeup until I started modeling. That's, this is like these last four years have been the most I've ever wore makeup in my life. I've even tried to teach myself how to do it um and I find that makeup and beauty and just how you feel internally is so interconnected so and it and its job in itself is impactful so I want to know how would you define impact in your own words Hmm. you're always coming up with these hard questions (laughs) (laughs) uh you know, I, I definitely think impact for me is creating a, a safe space for someone. Mm-hmm. And impact for me is at a one-on-one personal level. I think, especially as a makeup artist, I am so close and so intimate with so many different people. And it's like I have, you know, an hour, two hours tops to kind of create this environment where they can feel safe and they can feel invited and vulnerable in a way because mm-hmm. it is so intimate I mean I'm, I'm literally in your eyeball so it's like <laughs> we're gonna have to you know get to know each other really quick yes <laughs> so yeah I, I definitely think that's that's what impact means to me it's this one-on-one connection that you have with someone and the ability to create a space that feels for lack of better words like very sacred to both of you 
in those like kind of that. moments. I like that. I think safety and safe space and sacredness is super important. Um, just general, because I feel like there's yeah. so many. We are, we enter in so many different spaces. Well, before quarantine, before people had to be <laughs> confined in their own space, we were in so many different spaces. Um, and literally working, doing the type of work that you do, and like always in and out of different studios, in and out of different these places that carry so many people's energies in it. Um, literally creating that type of space is super important. So I'm I'm curious, what got you into beauty? Mm, well, I've always loved art. And I think that was kind okay. of the birthplace of all my endeavors. <laughs> gotcha. So I think that that's always kind of been, you know, painting and drawing as a kid. I, I, I just gravitated towards that. I loved that. It was something that felt like very I was quite a quiet child so it was something mm. that kind of felt like I could get lost and immersed in my own world um and then I had like I mean truly the most supportive mom I could ever have asked for and she was always there to be like giving me the tools that I needed in life to excel mm. and she was like okay you want to paint all right let's get you some paint oh you want to draw let's draw okay you want to do fashion let's get you a sewing machine like and that's all amazing these, yeah yeah and and all these endeavors like especially as I get older I realize it's like oh wow like that was truly kind of my mom was truly the person that pushed me to explore different outlets and mm-hmm. understand like oh this isn't working for me and then reevaluate that so, um, so yeah, so I just loved art and then, um, I started to really like love fashion and I was like, oh, I want to be a fashion designer. And then it just, it was not enough instant gratification for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I loved, I loved the world and I loved the fantasy of it, but yeah. f- for me, I just, it didn't feel it didn't feel right and then of course you know I'm like looking through these pages and I'm kind of looking at these models and I'm like oh wow like someone has to do the makeup for this right Mm -hmm. and then I like start to and I start to kind of like do some research and of course at this time YouTube was just kind of beginning you know the 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 beauty industry the beauty community there okay so I was really fortunate to like kind of like see other people doing makeup and see how they were doing makeup. And then on my 16th birthday, my mom actually gave me the making faces book by Kevin Oakwin. And that was the moment that I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a makeup artist. Okay. I love yeah. that. I love I, moms are so moms are super important. Parents are super important, but mm-hmm. I have a strong affinity for moms. Okay. Oh, um, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> the nurturers, they're, they're always birthing new things in you as you grow up and helping you nurture and foster. So I really love hearing how much your mom has had an impact on encouraging and supporting you oh through gosh, your journey. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even realize how fortunate enough as a kid I was to have a mom like that because I was yeah. just like, we were kind of like friends and in, in that aspect of like, you know, we just, she was just always rooting me on and then to see other people that didn't have that privilege growing up, I'm mm-hmm. just like, feel very thankful to have someone that believed in me. Yeah, and I, you know what I also love about about your story too is that usually parents and this is not this doesn't mean they're good or bad but they fall into like gender norms with their kids Mm. like your girl this is what you play with this is what you do this is what you like your boy this is what you play with this is what you do this is what you like so when you have parents that 
see you for the individual human being that you are. Mm-hmm. I think that going back to your definition of impact about creating safety and sacredness in intimate spaces, that is what it, it's like what your mom has done for you. Like I'm always s- created space of safety and sacredness. Absolutely. All right. All right, Miss Bianca. Read, <laughs> read me. Yes. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of I mean, it's it's funny like other people can see you better than you can see yourself yes. a lot of times. But it's so true. I mean, that that really all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But I just was like listening and and you know, connecting because our past, even though it doesn't have to define our future and our present, it does give us a layout for a lot of how we understand things in the world around us so just listening i'm like oh wow like his mom was already teaching him what impact is like you know um and and we do (laughs) learn so subconsciously through our parents as well you know so it's like yeah it makes a lot of sense but yeah i think also too like as a kid if you just have those tools like presented to you and you can use them that really takes you so far yes um Okay, so when you when you were 16, you had got that book. And so what, where was the, I guess, like, the career-defining moment? Like, I know you said, like, you want to be a makeup artist, but, like, what did you do to help make that happen? You know what I mean? Like, from yeah. it being, turning it from a dream into a reality, essentially. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, with, so with that, uh, so Kevin O'Quinn, like, he was... It, he was from Lafayette, Louisiana. And it was the first time I had ever heard or felt kind of seen uh, in someone's story. Um, So like I was reading this book and of course this book was like published in like 1990 something or early 2000. So it was kind of outdated. So I was kind of like reading it and really his story about growing up gay, growing up in the South, growing up as this very feminine boy, you know, and being bullied for that really resonated with me. And then, to be able to turn all of that into such a beautiful, successful career. Mm -hmm. Um, It showed me, I was like, oh, I can do this. Like Mm -hmm. I have the ability to not fall into the same patterns as the people before me of working a desk job or working at a plant. And not that there is anything wrong with that, but I just felt like I was like, oh, the option is there for me, you know? And to have that, to be able to see a story that looked like me was so impactful. Um, so that kind of really kind of pushed me to be like, okay, I want to do it. I was like, I want to be a makeup artist. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just reached out. I reached out to, you know, all of all of my friends. I did makeup on myself for the longest time, just going to the bathroom after school, putting on makeup, wiping it off, doing it again. And then I kind of start to build a community and finding photographers and models like in this very small little fashion community of louisiana Mm -hmm. and um really just kind of like cultivating this this community of people who love the same thing i did um and then it was my my 19th birthday and i was like i'm moving to new york i was like i graduate high school i'm moving to new york and my mom was like you gotta move to new york on your on your birthday and i was like yes i was like i have to do this for myself i have to you know, I have to do it now because I was so worried. I was like, if I don't do this now, like I might not do Mm. it later. You know, I didn't want to get stuck. And, and my mom was also very encouraging that she was like, all right, she's like, let's figure out, let's, let's figure out how to get you an apartment. Let's figure out how, like things that we need to do to set you up. I, yo, I love this. Your mom is amazing. Like she is. (laughs) Um, I just, 
yes i love it i'm so touched but um okay so you're 19 you're like i'm moving to new york what when you got to new york did you like well did you fly like how did you get to new york oh no i walked no, just it took me 12 days oh um, god <laughs> no i uh i flew up here and i i we found like this apartment online which is always so like scary and then yeah. but luckily everything was good i it was actually my little apartment was in um in bedstein it was great and you know it was such a great experience but mm-hmm. it was also like the first time i was on my own it was the first time i was you know making decisions going places trying to figure out how to look at a map <laughs> Yo, yes so there was there was a big learning curve there was a big learning curve <laughs> there was a lot of you know cold emailing people and being like hey like i love your work can you like do you need a makeup artist and just kind of like putting my like neck out there to be like like i'll, I'll do it for free i'll do it like whatever like do you need this and so i worked some really you know questionable photo shoots <laughs> and then something that you don't see behind the like behind the scenes is like all the all those things that lead you to really exciting places is not always the most glamorous <laughs> yes that but, is a fact yeah yeah but just having that determination and that kind of the sheer gall of just going for it i feel like is so important whenever you're in an industry that is not necessarily like you know apply for the job get the job like get promoted get promoted again like kind of all that so it's like you really have to like find the passion in it and find the the love and spirit that you have for what you're doing and your craft totally so my next question is growing up in the small town in louisiana what was the name of the town again gonzalez Gonzalez, Louisiana. And then now you're 19 in Brooklyn, New York, trying to conquer the concrete jungle. What stood out to you from a beauty standpoint? Like, I guess like the beauty standards in Louisiana versus like what you realized beauty standards were in like New York area. So I guess with with the beauty standards, it's I feel like Louisiana for me was very like very diverse in a sense. So I was working with like all these really beautiful models, but I think whenever I came to New York, it's just the models became like professionals and it wasn't like a hobby, (laughs) Mm. but I mean, I I will say like with New York, it, it sometimes it's a, it's a struggle to find people to cast models of color to cast black models, to cast Indian models, to cast, you know, all these different beautiful shades. And I feel like that was something that I struggled a lot when I first came here. I was like, like, please don't give me, please don't give me another girl that is, that is the same, the same that we shot last <laughs> week, you know? And it's like, like, no I don't hate mean to, to the, laugh, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> but no hate to those girls that, but it's just like, you know, it's like sometimes you're working with people and they're trying to fit into this mold of what the industry should look like and what the industry, you know, like what it takes to look like you're successful. And it's like that a lot of times is shooting, you know, white models or like very, you know, European looking models. And mm-hmm. like, for me, that wasn't, that wasn't what I went to come to New York for because New York is this place where the whole world comes and I want to shoot 
with models that represented this idea of beauty that I had that was much more diverse is much more diverse than the pages of you know the contemporary fashion magazines got you so the beauty industry to me has always been a very interesting space because I'm never like before working before modeling um and still I work in PR but I worked a lot in like beauty PR and so working in beauty PR had allowed me to like learn a lot, not just about makeup, but just like skincare, all that kind of stuff, but also understanding like how, how the world works within publications and getting products and, you know, getting things on models. I don't think I ever noticed until working in the beauty industry, how whitewashed it was. Like I always knew mm-hmm. it, but I, I don't think I visibly understood the like the intensity behind how whitewashed it was um because yeah. growing up like to me and not that these magazines made me feel any less beautiful because i've always felt beautiful all right yes uh, let's say it for the people I, in the back row <laughs> can you hear that <laughs> I, i've always felt that and that is you know that's that is literally due to the raising the way my mom raised me. My mom raised me to really see myself for who I was. Like, mm. this is the body God gave you. This is, you are beautiful. Like, you mm. know what I mean? And like really Absolutely. speaking life into me. So when... That's so beautiful. I just want to, let's give up for your mom real quick. <laughs> Mom's in the building. <laughs> Mom's, go mom. But I, I really, I started to see things a lot differently and not that I never paid attention to race or how like, even like on TV, like with the light scan and dark, these are things that I always like passively noticed, but it wasn't until like actual like college and I'm getting into an industry. I'm starting to really notice like, wow. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all. Oh, y'all don't really have diversity up in here. Oh. You know what mm. I mean? Like, Oh, What's the flavor? Not- there's there's actually no inclusion here like you know what I mean um and so I started to really really see things like okay wow but yet you know you you and it's like okay you see black models but they always look a particular type of way Mm -hmm. um and and even when I think about diversity I don't even think about it just on a race standpoint I think about it in like body types I, I think about it like you know disabilities or non-disability like I it's just like I start I started to see things like okay this product that everybody buys does not promote to everybody absolutely absolutely um so when working on when you first came to New York and started working on sets and this stuff were there were there any moments I don't want to say career defining moments because <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word but more so like moments in the beginning of your career where you felt, did you ever feel comfortable to like kind of speak up about the lack of diversity or? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember one time specifically, like I was like uh, talking with this photographer and I was like, Oh, you know, I really want to do a beauty shoot. And I really want, like, I really want a Indian model to be like the face of this beauty shoot. And I want that. And um, and I was like, if we could get like an Indian model, that would be great. Like, and he sent a request to the agent and the agent sent him a full entire like deck of just white models. Oh, just white models. And I was like, 
did he not read the email <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the criteria <laughs> <laughs> wow so like completely disregarded what you asked for disregarded and then so the photographer resent the email and I was like oh no thank you so much for sending over these girls but we're looking specifically for an Indian model for the shoot and he was like oh okay yeah and then he sent over a huge list of Indian models that were on their board and I was like what like where was this the first time where was this in the first email and that has happened so many different times like whenever I've been working with photographers and they get a package and they're like oh look through the package and I'm like okay cool look the package I mean, nothing but white, white bodies, you know? And I'm, I'm like, can you ask them for any diversity in this? Some black girls, some brown girls, like anything. And then sure enough, they always send over a whole new package of, of beautiful girls of so many different walks of life. And I'm like, why wasn't this in the original package? Like, why do you not understand like why are you not repping for these girls mm-hmm. the way that's you're repping- interesting yeah and, and i think that was like a moment that kind of like defined i was like oh wow this is something that you have to insist on it's not something that is just going to be given to you like you have to request like for diversity which is so upsetting to me like it's so upsetting that you have to request this <laughs> because the beauty isn't being seen by other people yeah, that's very interesting. Um, like, and it's crazy because I feel like, like as a black woman, as a as a as a person who's modeled, I know that sometimes I get discouraged to like you know submit to things, or even like like my like quest to like finding an agency. It's like I start I go on their website, I start to look. And then I get like a little bit discouraged because I'm like, I don't really see anybody that looks like me or I do. And then I get concerned that are we just like a fetish? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, are we truly looked at as beautiful? Like, do you really are you really going to like do the work and help promote me? Like you might promote some of your other models. Um, So it's really doing the work. It's really like, are you going to do the work? So I. So like you, so I'm equal to these other girls. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like we all have the same fighting chance. Like you know, if a brand comes to you and they ask you for a list of models, am I going to be in that first pool, or Absolutely. am I going to be in the pool that is secondary? You know, and to hear you say that because it's something I always thought happened, but to know that that happens is like, ugh. like come on, people. It's um, gross. It, it, yeah. I um. I, I am, but okay. As a as a makeup artist, though, how has and not just working with models, but just how has like the industry been in terms of like I've heard like makeup artists or and like actors and models request for black makeup artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I'm guilty of this too that like I'll come to something and I see if it's a white model, I get nervous. Like there's sure. always a tinge of nervousness because I'm like, please, Lord, don't have this woman not my the, my foundation like it's supposed to. Um, I that only happened to me one time where I had a photo shoot and this woman did not have nothing to match like my skin. And like when she did my makeup, I was looking at I was looking like a ghost and I was so annoyed. Oh no. Oh um, no, mom. Not a ghost. <laughs> I was like she just did not match my melanin like she was supposed to. Like the concealer was too like too light. It was just mm. the blending was off. It was just so bad. Um and that's that's a reality for a lot of black models. Like that is 
the sad reality of the industry. And like, that is something that I have had to, like, I've had models of color come in and they see me, I'll, I'll, you know, (laughs) a little black, a little, uh, a little uh, white gay boy. And they're like, now what does he know? You know? And there's always (laughs) this moment of like, of like, I can feel that they feel very unsafe. You know, Mm. they feel, they feel very like, okay, like here we go again. And, and if I can provide them with that comfort of like, it's okay. Like I have the tools that I need. I have the knowledge that I need because I've put in that time and energy to understand color theory, which at the end of the day, matching skin tone is color theory and Mm. looking. And I feel like a lot of artists don't take the time to give that same value to models of color mm-hmm. and black models, you know? So I think you end up with a whole group of models that are like, I don't want my hair to get messed up. I don't want my foundation to me mix match. I don't want to have to go to the bathroom and, and have to fix it, you know? And I don't mm-hmm. understand why artists are coming to set unprepared. And I think that is a huge question that we need to ask those artists. Like, yeah. how are you doing your job, but you're not qualified for it? You know? Speak and, on it. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, like why are you get why do you expect to get paid but not understand why you're being paid? <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real. You know? Um that's interesting because you know, like with within the last couple of years, especially with like the boom of Fenty Beauty, which I love me some Rihanna, I love anything yes. Rihanna does or do. And she um, does it so beautifully every single time. I don't know how she does it. Every <laughs> single time. She never misses, okay? Um, when she came out with the Fenty Beauty line, I feel like for the first time ever, regular everyday women felt seen mm-hmm. in beauty mm-hmm. um and it's like interesting because i you know fenty wasn't the first you know makeup forever had like ranges but i also know like makeup forever kind of target they're not like a real consumer brand like you can buy their stuff but it's not like an everyday consumer brand like i would consider fenty to be right um it's like more artist focused where fenty is like consumer driven yes for sure so i feel like with with her coming out with fenty it came it it to me literally shifted the industry to kind of rethink what their models look like in their campaigns how they market and target their audience. Um, oh, mama, these companies were scared. They said, oh my <laughs> God. They said, what? <laughs> They're like, 12 shades of beige won't cut it? What? <laughs> um, and they, they ran and you saw like a massive yes. boom of all these companies being like, look at us with 75 shades of foundation. Look at us with 100 shades of foundation. <laughs> and I love that companies are taking that initiative. But a lot of the issue with that was a lot of those shades did not match any human skin tone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So as a makeup artist, how, cause I I feel like even though like makeup artists, you guys have your own little technique and how you pack your bag and how you do your things. But I feel like when there's shift in the beauty industry on a consumer end, it, it automatically shifts for you as a makeup artist. Um, What kind of shift did you see in like the work you would do? after like that Fenty rollout. Yeah, I think with the with Fenty kind of stepping into the market, you saw consumer brands really step up to the plate and create foundation shades whether they were good or not mm-hmm. and focus on that and try to f- 
I, I will call it fake focus on inclusion. <laughs> okay. Because um, that's really what it is. Because I was like, what? <laughs> um, but as an art, but as an artist, I think it. I think because as artists, we typically mix a lot of foundations, regardless of skin tone, to create that kind of perfect match on set. I think for me, it 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 didn't really change anything other than giving me more options as a makeup artist, like to give mm. me more brands and to give me more colors and ranges to choose from, you know? Cause mm-hmm. it's like an artist can yes, mix everything, but if I don't have a certain color and I don't have those colors to get it to, to a specific place, like I, it's, it's very difficult for an artist to be successful. So it's like, I think artists really have to also focus on investing in, shade like shade ranges colors bronzers to fit a variety of different skin tones yeah and i think also too with fenty it's like it really forced people to look at the perspective of race in the beauty community and like what it means to represent a multitude of different women and men and non-binary people like in that beauty space Mm -hmm. and i think rihanna really showed showed these girls how to do it <laughs> yeah she she truly she truly showed people like what visibility looks like and like an authentic visibility because you said fake like fake performative diversity and inclusion which i feel like a lot of times is what i'm constantly feeling even now like oh yeah i, I just feel like all of it is fake like because if you if you are true to this you don't have to do these grand gestures to mm-hmm. prove it, you know? Because it um, should be in the DNA of the brand. Be, yes, in the DNA of the brand. And I definitely think, like, I don't know, like, are you following this page on Instagram? It's called The Pull Up. Absolutely. Pull Up for Absolutely. Change. So I loved, like, when I saw that, I said, Ooh, oh, <laughs> we're, oh, like, this is where we are. Like, you know, I knew, you know, with everything going on with, you know, the whole death of George Floyd, and I knew what that was going to do on a social justice, criminal justice stand, like, front end, but I did not see it coming out into everything, but I was so here for it. So when I saw that, the pull-up for change, I was like, yo, I really wonder if these companies are going to, like, show like you know really show up and like show us where they may be failing um and you know there are companies who have and who who didn't but like what were your takeaways from that first of all thank let's just say thank you to uma beauty for starting this challenge because that is the person that said okay y'all want to post these sympathetic things about the black community but not support us no 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 no. so i think whenever they kind of initiated that that was a huge wake-up call for i think at these brands because you look at the numbers and they're dismal they're (laughs) dismal yes and it's crazy it's crazy because you get to see who's behind all of this and you get to see why the shade range isn't the way it is why the models that are being cast don't reflect the customer base like you get to see a huge array of the truth behind you know it's kind of like very wizard of oz like you get to see behind the curtains yeah um and i i think it it just shows that the beauty community has a lot more growth to do internally as well as externally for the for the consumer you know and i think too it's like you kind of it's like you working in the industry i think we have a bit more insight but as consumers i think this is the first time that people are really seeing like 
these friends aren't walking the walk. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know? I do see that. I do see that there's a consumer unveiling. Whereas, like, if you have worked in the industry as a model, as a makeup artist in PR, like, if you touch, if you've touched anything in the beauty industry and in, outside of being a consumer, I definitely think there was no shock value for us. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate. It was just unfortunate that we had to sit here and say that. You know, yeah, like, that's upsetting. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know. Maybe these companies might show up and really like it out but no no like no, them numbers was looking trash <laughs> and tr- trash um, <laughs> <laughs> not even recycling baby just trash Throw it away. Yeah, yeah i mean it's like the only companies that represent an equal amount typically are black owned companies mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and like that's the only the only space that's being given to black entrepreneurs to be black employees black models are because these people have created like a space specifically for them and mm-hmm. for the need and the gap in the market. And I, I think that is great that like certain brands really saw like, okay, we can do the work and we can reap the profit. And I'm happy that those brands have kind of stepped into the light now that a lot of people are posting about it, which is also a little performative. Cause I'm like, where were you guys before this? <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. this, these brands are great. Like, I mean, brands like Minted who are started by two incredibly uh, amazing women. I mean, grad, grad, graduate from Harvard. I mean, yes. the first, I mean, I think they were, I'm not sure if these numbers are right, but I think they were both uh, number, one was number 11 and number one was number 12 or something to that effect of the women getting over a million dollars in equity. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And it's like you stop and look at those numbers and you're like, what? Like, they're, yes. I mean, 12. I remember th- when that article dropped. Yeah. So it's like you look at this brand and Minta is a brand that I've supported, like, since I've learned about them from, like, other fellow makeup artists. And it's like they are creating shades that are so beautiful and so perfectly fitted to women of color and blushes and eyeshadows and brands like Colored Rain that do, like, incredibly, like, amazing quality products so it's like i'm happy that black owned brands are getting the recognition now but it's upsetting that that wasn't happening prior yeah totally so um so i my my next question is in regards to just like as makeup artists um a couple i think it was like a year or two ago i worked an event for um this beauty brand and it was a kind of like a makeup artist chat where like makeup black makeup artists, but like whether they were gay men, non like gender nonconforming black women in the industry, and they were talking a lot about just like the fight to be like um, union artists, um, mm. like if you want to work on sets or like even just find an agency that will like fairly represent them so that they are able to like work with celebrities and work with like you know a-list stars for you how was that journey for you and like I guess like from your seat how did it like how did you view it for other black makeup artists or other makeup artists of color like in your journey too because aren't you like part of an agency right now yeah yeah I am um I think that's like a difficult question for me to to answer Mm -hmm. because 
um why i do have a lot of colleagues that are black amazing makeup artists like i don't necessarily know the struggles that they've been through yeah um but you know i mean i've a lot of my makeup artist friends from louisiana who actually moved up the same time that i did are i mean doing amazing things like one mm-hmm. makeup artist i actually took a class from in louisiana keisha she literally is now like a representative for pat mcgrath and i'm like oh awesome all right baby that's it <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's like i do see other black artists as like incredibly like what's the right word i'm looking for I, I see other i see black artists as like doing doing amazing work and being there and showing up and I guess, sorry, I don't know how to, like, properly answer this question. No, I totally, no, no, I, no, I get it. I totally understand. I, I just was more so curious because, I, you know, I do think, and the reason why I ask the question is because, you know, as a, as a Black woman, and I'm not a makeup artist, so I'm just, like, speaking particularly to, like, my industry, like, stuff that I've worked in, I know my view of it is way different than, like, my white counterpart. Mm. So I'm just always curious, because I think, as Black people, we always feel safe to talk to each other about, like, the microaggressions, the discrimination that we feel, how we feel like we have to work 50 times harder than our white counterparts for the same, just to get representation, or to be seen, or to be visible to Mm -hmm. other people. So I'm just, I've never... You know, I don't know what you guys see or how y'all see it. So I'm always, like, curious to be like, okay, well, I wonder what they see. Or, like, how does it look from their point of view, um, from them being the ones as, like, onlookers. But, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I do not. And that is something that I will definitely work on. But, like, but but, I mean, it's, I do, I do feel like I, that would be a question that is great because it's like i don't know i mean and also like i will acknowledge my privileges as a white gay male like i a lot of times don't experience these microaggressions on Mm -hmm. set you know and a lot of times like i think for the most part like the community is quite open and open-minded but that is also does not like give way to say that microaggressions do not exist in the workplace you know because it's like you definitely see certain people being treated a certain way um but then as like you know in our society we're kind of like oh, okay well maybe that was just whatever or like you make these silly mm, excuses like excuses yes. yeah so it's like uh, yeah it's 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 a world that i'm definitely trying to be more vocal about and trying to navigate and trying to like speak up if i ever see those incidences mm-hmm. um but yeah i definitely think that that is a great question to ask for a, an artist that is you know working in the industry that is of color or a black person mm. yeah Yeah, I think it's just super important to, like, for me, like, I try to always be vigilant in -hmm. everything. Because, you know, we all, like, you know, I've had this conversation before with people about privilege. I think we all have some form of privilege. It's just, like, the reason why white privilege is such a, it's such a hot topic all the time is because it's the most, it's the most dangerous one. It's the most insidious one. It's the one, it's so. One that you don't see. (laughs) It's the one that you don't see, but yet it's and it's so systemic because it like mm-hmm. it, it's just it's kind of it's just crazy you know what I mean and I I'm always as I've gotten older when it comes to topics of race within our industry and I really do think particularly like in the beauty and entertainment space like it's like you can call it out but you don't call it out for real for real mm. um 
and it's because it's like respectability politics and you're not trying to ruffle too many feathers because our industries rely on referrals a lot of the time. Right, which is so upsetting. And I think that's like a, that's also a good point to focus on. It's like the fact that I can't say that something happened because I'm afraid is mm-hmm. is so upsetting to me. It's like, oh, well, then that person's going to be like, oh, well, they cause trouble on set, so we're not going to hire them back, which is so upsetting. And like, it's so upsetting that I can't call brands out for not representing people or to or having you know ill ill will towards people and it's like i'm kind of to the point where i'm so fed up with that like i'm just like <laughs> i've been going off on brands like i'm like i'm like where's the support <laughs> where are the numbers like wh- like like why are you acting in this way you know and it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of the point where it's like you kind of have to be like okay like what is what is worth the sacrifice because it is you know your livelihood is tied to this but it's like also like so is other people's just existence and i think yeah i think as like a white makeup artist like and or just a white person in general like that's something that is so important for us to continuous continuously like ingrain in ourselves is like to step up to the plate when something is happening and not be quiet and not just be like oh well well, they said that, and that's unfortunate. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you should call them out and be like, oh, no, ma'am, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, speaking on that, how, I guess, how, what are some tips to kind of, like, strengthen that muscle? I think it's always a very complicated space to be in when calling out, let's, the person basically writing your checks that you use to pay your bills. But um, I think yeah. even for myself, like, as a as a Black woman, I have had to learn like I've lost jobs speaking my mind, you know what I mean? And I've ruffled some feathers being in situations and I, and I, there used to be a time where, you know, things would be said and I would like let it roll off my back and not say nothing or come home and complain to my friends about like how somebody just kind of, you know, made a racist comment, whether it was intentional or not. And cause you know, you, you, you are afraid, but the first time I ever stood up, like, in, like, in a way where I know that this person knows that I was making them have to check themselves, is I was working with a beauty brand, um, and we were doing, like, social media campaigns. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is, and I could have a whole nother conversation about this, maybe with uh, one of my blogger friends, but just <laughs> even, like, when it comes to influencer marketing... And, like, they want these campaigns to be, quote, unquote, diverse. But even, mm-hmm. like, talking to, like, the brand managers and I'm, I'm pitching the idea and I, I send over the list of the women that I think would be amazing. Now, naturally, because I am a Black person, I am a Black woman, I'd follow a lot more Black women influencers. And I, and I can admit that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, my, I don't really have my hand on a pulse of all the hot white beauty bloggers. I don't. I mean, you're not missing out on much, so. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I don't know. So, you know, but also I was the only black woman on the team. So I, I left it to my white counterparts to find those types of people. I thought it was my job to make sure I was standing up for my black women and other women of color to be visible in this campaign, to have a shot in this campaign. Absolutely. And um, when I showed the list, they picked, they picked the people and they overlooked this one particular influencer but then turned around and asked for an influencer who matched her demographics like in Mm. in every facet and I was confused so I followed up and I asked I'm like you know I'm curious you overlooked this one but yet you're you're requesting to get an influencer that looks like this and 
the response was she's not premium enough and i got so mm. irri- irritated because i'm like what the hell do you mean not premium enough so i responded i said oh can you please clarify what you mean by premium and so when they when they responded i realized that you can be a black woman you can be a woman of color but you had to fit the white aesthetic of instagram influencer Mm. so there there was like this conversation about premium and i was just kind of like i needed to know what they meant by that and so when i realized what they meant about the type of influencers they wanted it didn't really meet or fit the definition of like their brand's tagline, mm. which was about, you know, inclusion and like the everyday woman. The um, army. Yeah. And so I remember us being on a call and I said, and I was nervous because I didn't know how, the, you know, you don't, you never know how these conversations are going to come across, even, even in the most polite manner. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yeah, that's a huge issue too that we can talk about <laughs> white, right, white fertility. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I, um, you know, I, I was like, you know, last time we were speaking about this, I just kind of want you to understand what inclusion really means. Um, if you're gonna have a brand that is representing the everyday woman. The everyday woman comes in all different shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. They have tattoos. They have piercings. People buy makeup. (laughs) Like, people buy skincare. Like, women are going to buy these things. And if you're trying to reach other types of people, I think that that should be reflected in what you're promoting. Not just what you're saying, but what you like literally promote it that way and mean it so I don't you know they still never they still didn't go with my girl which was fine but I felt really good to to know that I didn't choose fear in that moment that I chose to make an opportunity an educational one and I was like I was like whoo that was a hard like it was hard because you just don't know how people are gonna respond it's so So, true I'm curious, like, as a makeup artist, what are some ways you think that, like, I guess, like, you can be better at, like, speaking up and speaking Mm. out? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the fact that you said that was an educational moment, I think is so important because it's, like, whenever we take the time to explain things, and sometimes that is really tests us, I think, in our patients, but I think a lot of times, like, whenever you take the time to, as an artist myself, like, you take the time to explain, like, oh, no, no, we can't do that. Or, oh, no, no you should not say that. Or that is inappropriate, inappropriate because I think it helps people that have been conditioned to relearn and kind of, like, re-rationalize, like, what they're saying and what they're doing as something that is hurtful or offensive, Um, And I think that's something that we can be teaching people. Like, I I think education is so important. And by teaching people, it helps bring small amounts of change, but hopefully have a huge domino effect in the grand scheme Mm -hmm. of things, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, I I remember growing up, uh, growing up and 
kids would just come up to me at my high school and be like, so you're gay. What's that like? And I was like, um, well, it's kind of like this. And I would sit there and like talk to them and explain to them. And Mm. they would leave the conversation and be like, oh, okay, cool. And I would be like, I hope that by having those conversations, even though they're hard and awkward and complicated, I kind of hope that that person would go into life and next time they met a gay person or a queer person or a non-binary person that they would be like, Oh, okay. Like I understand. Like I'm not afraid. Uh Um, so, but I also don't believe that specifically like black men and women have to sit there and explain everything because that is a responsibility of others to do, um, on set. And yeah, but I think if you can be that person that just sits there and be like, okay, baby, this is not it. <laughs> it's really inf- uh, effective, you know, for that person. And ho- hopefully that creates change. Um, but, you know, not, not, it doesn't always happen like that. And some people are just real stubborn. Yeah, no, that is, that is real. Have you ever turned down a job due to just, like for moral reasons luckily I, I feel like i've never been put in a situation that i've been okay. like oh no no no. <laughs> um but i definitely think like there there's definitely like some key things i'm kind of like not interested in that we're not going to even touch on that um you know or like a lot of times too like i've had people be like oh well or like to hairdressers they'll be like oh like i want my hair like this and i'm kind of like mm, i don't think that's a good idea you know i don't mm-hmm. think that's like really a style that you should be <laughs> you mm-hmm. should be rocking with uh, with everything that's going on and try to kind of educate them maybe why that is the way it is but I'm, yeah i've been very fortunate in my career to kind of attract really like-minded people and really that's good good-hearted people yeah that's good. So now that we, we talked about like your why and the standards, some of the standards that have been like happening in the beauty industry and what and currently the change that we're in, how how do you hmm, okay. In an ideal world, what would true visibility in the beauty industry look like to you? I think true visibility would be something that something that doesn't require thought. Mm. I think whenever you have to, and I think because we live in the system that we do, we have to sit there and think, is this right? Is this acceptable? Is this moral? Is this like a just behavior? But I think I kind of hope that, eventually we'll get to a place where it'd be like, oh yeah, she's beautiful. Like, oh yeah, she's gorgeous. Let's put her, let's put that model in the center. And that model be a beautiful black woman, be a beautiful brown woman, you know, like be all these different things that I feel like so many people are do so naturally with white bodies that they they just automatically assume that that, per- that model will be in the middle of the photo mm. and not give that space to, and they're not giving that space to a, uh, a brown model, a black model, a person of color, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I believe that that's whenever we can truly get to a point of visibility or, or, or like inclusion in the beauty community. And once these kind of like old ideas of beauty standards are, you know, like, oh, like, like good hair is straight hair. Like 
that is not the case. Like good skin is light skin. That's not the case. And it's like, mm-hmm. until we can focus on what makes someone beautiful for who they are and those, those kind of special nuances that that person has um, and kind of have that be the standard. I think that's whenever we'll see inclusion in the beauty community. And I think that is kind of going to take a huge kind of revolution to happen. And I feel like we're kind of really teetering on that breaking point of like, I feel like it, it's going to happen. You know, or at least I hope it's going to happen. I feel people, I feel the momentum, I feel the movement. So, um, but yeah. I believe we'll see it. I, think- I, I, I believe that even if I don't see it in my lifetime, I believe that generations behind us will really get to, to see that. Cause I, 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 that's real. Like, I, you know, the, the thoughtlessness of just all, already including any and everyone that is just beautiful mm-hmm. um, and not having to really think about it. Cause I do think it's a thought thing because mm-hmm. now it's like, that's what I love about the pull up, cha- like pull up for change challenge. Well, not, it's not really a challenge. It's just a straight up call out to call mm-hmm. to action. Um, it's like, I'm looking at these brands numbers and for the first time, a lot of them are having to see the ways in which they did not think about black people or black women or women of color in their infrastructures. And so I was reading this book and I forget, I'm probably going to paraphrase, but um, they say like, you can't change what you can't see. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that with everything that is going on, um, that in every industry, companies now can get to a point, now that it's called out, now that you're being faced with it, yeah. that you create a change that inclusion is automatic and not even something we have to mention because it, it's already a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because even now, like, we're so diverse and we're so, incl- like, we don't even need to say it because it's the, it is the standard. Absolutely. That's the standard. Absolutely. Um, I, I I really believe we can get there, but we couldn't have gotten there without calling it out. And like I said, as uncomfortable as it is, I believe that we all should be agents of change in whatever field we're in um, and, and do the uncomfortable work because that's where growth comes. A hundred percent. Because it's like, if you can sit with that and you can sit with those emotions that you have and mm-hmm. see those numbers on paper and reflect and be like, oh, this, no, 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 no. Like, and to be able to see that. And like you said, like to see that, just be confronted with that kind of ugliness of the community. I think, yeah. Mm, I have, I've, there's so many emotions, you know, that mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many emotions and thoughts and it's just like, it's upsetting that we're having to have this conversation, but we have to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I hope so. I hope, especially for, I hope that we see it in our lifetime. I hope that we see it and we can enjoy it. But if anything, I hope for the future generations to come, like that, that is a reality that they take for granted. Honestly, even if we don't, even if I don't get to see it, I would love to see it. But even if I don't get to see it, I know that, I have committed my life and it's so crazy because okay this is a question for you mm-hmm. what does being an advocate mean like to you 
like and how do you in your life show up as an advocate i think it's at the root of it it's listening mm-hmm. understanding what that person is saying mm-hmm. and and trying to understand those struggles even though they're not yours mm. And I think if you can do those three things, I think that you can hopefully make make your actions pure. And I feel like you can make the, your actions effective. And I feel like whenever you're learning and constantly learning and constantly deconstructing and understanding things and the reason why things are, I think that's whenever you can really be a good a good ally you know mm. is by showing up doing the work and and using that muscle and using that yeah. voice you know and i think that you know being an ally can look can look can ooh, ooh, use the words <laughs> i feel like your ally uh, being an ally can look so many different ways given the circumstances you know like yeah. if that just means like being there for someone I, I think that's so important that that friendship. And I think if by using your voice and making other people question their behaviors, I think that's also a way that you can show up and be that person. And then also like, listen to your friends, like listen to the people that are asking you to be their allies, because Mm. if, if we're not doing good by them, we're not being allies. Yeah. Yeah. And I ask that because, you know, I have my, I have a life mission. Like I feel like my life, my purpose on earth, regardless of whatever it is that I'm doing, is to be a resource to my community. And when I say my community, I, I tell people this all the time: Black women come first to me, mm-hmm. um, because I'm a firm believer that if Black women aren't well, the world will never be well. That, um, that let that be written down <laughs> as truth, because because um, Black women <laughs> Black women are. Th- I mean, they're like the epicenter of creativity, of beauty, of the voice. Like anything that a gay man does is literally inspired or taken from a black woman and then put into mainstream culture. You know, it's like because they are that that inspiring and that kind of beacon of beauty and light. And, you know, it's just I I think that black women do not get the credit they deserve period <laughs> like no I mean, you're you're right we don't like we really don't and i that is why it's my it, i literally find it to be my duty to make sure that any and everything that i do i am elevating black women mm-hmm. if it's an opportunity i'm telling them about it mm-hmm. if it's me and how I show up. If I have to be uncomfortable to make sure that the next black woman is comfortable, that is what I'm going to do. Um, and I feel like that is kind of like the empowerment I found in modeling myself. Um, modeling for me is more of a hobby than a career, even though like, yeah, I, I would never mind like actually being like a supermodel. Um, right. <laughs> that coin. <laughs> But, you know, for me, the first time I was ever behind a camera, I really got to see myself, you know, Um, and my confidence in myself became authentic. Like, I've always been, quote unquote, confident, but I don't know if my confidence was always authentic. And sometimes I felt like it was performative. 
but like modeling allowed me to authentically be confident where it's like I I saw my magic I saw my beauty I saw like when I post pictures of myself when my face is be and I like and I'm showing it to the girls and I get the compliments I don't do that thinking about myself I do that like okay when 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 we constantly see beauty in Mm-hmm. ourselves and others like we'll be able to truly see it in ourselves um mm-hmm. and that is something that I feel like the makeup like as a makeup artist or the the beauty industry in general has have to do a better job at making sure women see themselves beautifully authentically not distorted not augmented unless you're into that stuff but like in its true, like showing us in our true essence and our true forms, um, and I'm so grateful. Like you have, ma- when you did my face, honey, the skin. Now, <laughs> you do some good skin work, okay? Well, skin bead. Oh, thank you. Baby. Oh my gosh, it's it's just like it's just beautiful. It's just it's creamy. You know, it's like it's skin. Like my it's makeup on me, but it's my skin. Like you make whatever is in me come out better. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's, all, that's all I want to do as a makeup artist. That is all I want to do as a makeup artist because I love my job. And that's all I want to do is see women and people that I work with. Just, I want them to see like what I see in them. And I want the, to, to elevate their like spirits and beings. And then, and if you can go on camera and feel your oats, like that is what I want you to do because that within itself is affecting so many people that, that like look up to you and like silent supporters of you, you know, like the, mm-hmm. and like that girl who was told that she wasn't pretty is now seeing you. And she's like, wow, I am stunning. <laughs> that's it. Like, you know what I mean? And that, that is really, that's super important. Like it's super important. And I, I appreciate you for like loving your craft enough to like making your standard of you knowing your standard of excellence is making sure that you're capable of doing any and every kind of phase. Um, because that is important. That is so important. It's needed because yeah, I'm, I have too many times and I've heard too many stories of black women going into going on to sets and just feeling nervous mm-hmm. and sick to their stomach. Like, oh, is this that... person going to do my face right? Are they going to do my hair right? And it is, are they going to dress me for my body type? Are they going to mm-hmm. understand these curves, this body, this, that, that? Like, we need, like, the standard of excellence in the beauty industry has to change. And mm. that, like, that has to change. But it never, it never, it never, I will never not pay attention to those that are doing the work and making sure that. Like you said, when you touch their face, when they're in your space, that is safe and it's sacred and that you are going to bring their beauty to its maximum. Mm. Oh, thank you. You're going to make me cry. No, no, no. I really, 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 really appreciate that. So just as a a wrap up statement, I want you to fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. I touch the world by... Mm. I touch the world by listening and responding accordingly. Mm. Listening and responding accordingly. I love that. 
Yeah, I, I think that if we listen as people more than we talk, and I know that is a hard thing to do, <laughs> but I think if we create that as a practice, I think hopefully that will create more a sense of community and a more a better understanding of everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just... I just, I just hope that we get to the point, and I hope that we get to the point where, hold on, scratch that. <laughs> I, oh gosh. Yeah, I just, I just think by, by, by listening and responding accordingly, we can achieve so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely do believe that listening is key here because listening aids in comprehension. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just shows you like, how do I respond to this? Like, what is like, what is the, the, the morally right thing to do in this situation? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And and I think too, like, I I always have the saying that you can only kind of control what's five feet in front of you. And I feel like if you are able to make that five feet in front of you a beautiful place for people to exist in, you're doing the best job you can in that moment. And I, f- mm. and I feel like that is a really important thing that I try to like continuously remember. Like if I can create a sanctuary for someone in five feet, or if I can affect change five feet in front of me, that is, that is what I'm here to do. Awesome, Eric. I'm so grateful that you joined me today on our on this episode of the To Be Touch podcast. Um, where can people find you on Instagram or Facebook, Twitter? Yes, you can find me at Eric Vosberg. Um, that's E R I C V O S B U R G, and that's EricVosberg.com as well. <laughs> awesome. Check out his stuff. He posts really great makeup tutorials and like make like. He be giving us looks, okay? Yeah, come see Bianca on my page. (laughs) You don't have to see me. There's a bunch of other people. But he serves looks. He gives looks. Um, He's an an amazing makeup artist. So anyone in the New Jersey, New York area, shoot, if y'all trying to fly him out, check out his work. (laughs) He deserves that. Um, Thank you again for joining me. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Bianca. I truly, I'm so happy that we have met. I'm so happy that I was able to be here with you and just talk and about life and I can't wait to do it again (laughs) yes okay until next time okay thank you Eric oh my gosh of course (laughs) I'm I'm sorry I hope I hope I answered your your questions I love see what I love about my podcast it's on purpose um I don't I'm not looking for perfection I'm looking for realness and when you don't know something you don't know and I will take a I don't know over you know a fabricated explanation I I appreciate that because that is (laughs) it's because I was like I was like oh my gosh like you know it's just like there's so much stuff that's happening right now and it's like to verbalize that and to be able to put that in like a little egg like a little acorn and be able to be like okay this is how I feel or think it's like (laughs) very overwhelming but I just appreciate you so much and I appreciate you giving me the space and sharing your stories with me because that truly uh that truly means a lot
Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to be editing it tonight. It'll be posted on Tuesday. Oh, okay. If you could just send me a photo of yourself and like a, if you have a small brief, if you have a bio on your, on your, on your website, I can just pull it from there. But if you could just send me a picture of yourself for like promotional purposes, that'd okay. be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll definitely send that over to you all tonight. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I hope I didn't give you too much to edit. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> all right. All well, right. And that's a wrap on episode three of the To Be Touch podcast with my good friend, Eric Vosberg. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation in regards to beauty and just stay tuned because I look forward to discussing this topic a lot more under a lot of different subcategories because there's so much to dive into. But I hope this conversation started to turn your wheels a little bit and have you rethink the way you see beauty yourself. So until next time, stay touched, y'all.